It's Thursday, February 27th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. A patient in California has been diagnosed with the coronavirus, aka COVID-19. We'll explain why this particular case is calling into question how the government's been testing for the disease. Then Scotland just made your time of the month a lot easier on the wallet. We'll tell you why the country's new law could bring an end to what's called period poverty. And finally, why seagulls are so obsessed with us. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. You may be seeing headlines today about a patient testing positive for coronavirus in California. This patient is around one of 60 people in the U.S. infected with COVID-19. That's the disease caused by coronavirus. But this patient in California might be different from the others. And this patient's case is calling into question how the U.S. is going about testing for COVID-19. Here's why. Until now, the major focus in the U.S. for dealing with COVID-19 has involved putting travel restrictions in place to prevent sick people from entering the U.S. in the first place. At a press conference last night, President Trump really hyped up this strategy. We're screening people, and we have been at a very high level, screening people coming into the country from infected areas. We have in quarantine those infected and those at risk. We have a lot of great quarantine facilities. But now, this patient in California is making that focus on preventing the disease from coming in old news. That's because this patient hadn't been to China and hadn't been in contact with anyone else thought to have been infected, and yet still got COVID-19. And getting that diagnosis took a long time. We're learning now that the doctors in California wanted to test this sick patient for COVID-19 last week, and they asked the CDC, hey, send us a test. But the CDC said, no can do. Wait, what? So why wouldn't they send that test? Reportedly, the CDC rules for who gets to be tested for COVID-19 required patients to have either traveled to China or have come in contact with someone who had tested positive. Since this California patient didn't meet either of those criteria, the CDC rejected requests from doctors to run the test. That might have been a mistake. CDC officials later reversed the decision, and the patient ultimately got tested and diagnosed. But now experts worry how many other people in the U.S. have COVID-19 but haven't been tested. Basically, how not on top of it is the U.S. right now? Dr. Sanjay Gupta was asked that by CNN host Allison Camerota this morning. When people present at the hospital and it, it might look like the flu, it might look like yep. some sort of respiratory thing, do we have the means to test everyone? I, I, I don't think we do. And I, and I think that this has been a glaring problem, to be, to be candid. Uh, you know, again, you look at other countries around the world, including Korea, they have the testing. They've been doing the testing, up to thousands of tests a day. We know that some of the original test kits that were sent out to what are called POC, point-of-care locations, were flawed. Yeah. Turns out, some of the COVID-19 test kits sent out by the CDC were faulty and gave inconclusive results. Not exactly what you want with a potentially deadly disease. And on top of that, medical labs around the U.S. are reportedly frustrated that the CDC hasn't made more tests available and that it's requiring kits that test positive to be sent back to the CDC, which slows down the testing process. So the U.S. response to the COVID-19 outbreak so far is not exactly encouraging. We were kind of warned this could be a problem. 
when it was clear that the U.S. was focusing mostly on screening travelers rather than the people who never left. Earlier this week, we asked Dr. Jennifer Nuzzo of the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security about the risks of the U.S. focusing so much on travel restrictions. Not only was it not likely to work from keeping the virus out of the country perspective, but that it would ultimately divert our resources from the things that we should be doing, like trying to find local transmission, trying to understand where in the country it's occurring, making sure we have plans to isolate people who are sick, making sure hospitals are ready to treat severely ill individuals. You know, there's a whole list of things. So the testing process for COVID-19 in the U.S. has come under fire in part thanks to this new patient in California. But we just learned the CDC is fixing at least one problem. They say they've fixed the screwed up kits. So hopefully that means more people who need testing get it. And they're also letting more labs across the US test for COVID-19 in the coming days. But they're still focusing those tests on people who've been to China or were in contact with someone already infected. If that focus changes, the person you might hear it from could be VP Mike Pence. Yesterday, President Trump tapped his wingman to be the COVID-19 point person. So, over to you, Vice President. No pressure. It's Skim Money Thursday, and today we're looking at how companies say they're making moves for the environment, specifically through something called carbon offsets. It's the idea that companies compensate for what they put out that's harmful to the environment by putting more good stuff back into the environment, like planting trees or investing in more environmentally friendly practices. Take Delta Airlines. A couple of weeks ago, the airline announced that it's pledging $1 billion to become the first global carbon neutral airline because planes emit a ton of carbon dioxide, which contributes to global warming. Some of that money is going toward fuel-efficient planes, but the rest is going toward carbon offsets. And other companies are also on board. Amazon hopes to make 50% of their deliveries net zero carbon emissions by 2030. And Microsoft says they want to be carbon negative by the end of the decade. That means they'll try to remove however much carbon the company has ever emitted since it was founded 45 years ago. But keep an eye out for when companies say they're going the carbon offset route because some say this carbon offset talk is just whitewashing, or in this case, greenwashing. Critics say that even though companies are branding themselves as environmentally friendly, that's not necessarily the case. Like if a company says it's going carbon neutral, but behind the scenes, they're lobbying against climate legislation. Remember, airlines aren't gonna stop flying planes and Amazon isn't gonna stop shipping your middle of the night shopping sprees. So buying carbon offsets might not really make a difference. But all hope is not lost, because more consumers like yourself want your purchases to have a purpose. So then, how do you know if your money is actually green? Well, you can start with some basics. There are actually organizations that independently track whether or not a business or product is environmentally friendly. Because how you choose to spend your money can be one of the biggest signals to show what you care about and reshape how companies do business. For more on how the news can affect your wallet, head on over to theskim.com slash money. Menstruation is normal. Free universal access to tampons, pads, and reusable options should be normal too. That's Monica Lennon, a member of Scotland's parliament earlier this week. And yes, she was talking about periods on the floor of Parliament. 
By the end of the debate, lawmakers overwhelmingly voted to make tampons and pads free and available to everyone. They'll be free to take from public places like community centers and youth clubs. Nobody voted against the proposal, which will end up costing the Scottish government over 24 million pounds. That's 31 million U.S. dollars a year. While there are still some amendments that'll be made to the legislation, Scotland is on its way to becoming the first country in the world to offer free sanitary products. Agreeing the general principles of the bill tonight will be a milestone moment for normalising menstruation in Scotland and sending out that real signal to people in this country about how seriously Parliament takes gender equality. So why is this move such a big deal? Well, let's break this down for you. The average person with a uterus will spend over six years of their life on their period. And over those six years, they'll use over 9,000 tampons or more than 2,000 pads. That's a lot of trips to CVS. And those trips can really add up. Scotland's been aware of that for a while. Back in 2018, it became the first country to offer free pads and tampons in schools and colleges. Before that, one study found that a quarter of female students couldn't afford them. And Scotland is a highly developed country. In less developed countries, that figure shoots up and has pretty dramatic consequences. Across the entire continent of Africa, one in 10 girls has to miss school because they can't access sanitary products. In India, one in five girls drop out of school completely after they get their periods. And not going to school because of a period can affect the rest of their lives because the girls who are forced to drop out of school are more likely to get married younger, have more children, and live in poverty. That's why organizations like the World Bank and UNICEF are working to promote menstrual health education, to reduce the stigma around periods. And there are a bunch of nonprofit organizations working to try to bring more sanitary products to the people who need them. There's a whole term for when people are affected by the costs associated with menstruation. It's called period poverty. And it affects people around the entire world, not just in developing countries, including people in the U.S. Back in 2016, President Obama said he was surprised to learn most states tax tampons as luxury goods. That basically means the product isn't considered necessary enough to warrant getting exempt from a tax. I have no idea why states would tax these as luxury items. I, I suspect it's because men were making the laws when those taxes were passed. People in the U.S. are paying about $150 million every year just on the sales tax alone. That tax plus the cost of the products themselves can really add up if you're on a tight budget. Some state lawmakers have introduced legislation to get rid of this tax altogether, but about two-thirds of states still charge one. Other countries like Canada, Australia, and South Africa have made changes. They've exempted sanitary products from taxes, and the UK and European Union have pledged to do the same. But now, Scotland has upped the ante. No more digging for change for the tampon vending machine. Public places will have free sanitary products, and hopefully, other countries are taking notes. Today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from one of our happy places, the beach. There's nothing like catching some sun, reading a book, and enjoying a delicious hot dog. Until... No! Get away! Oh my god! Oh my god, that seagull just took your hot dog! We've all been there, or seen it happen to someone else. And it turns out, science could help explain why seagulls don't just love lunch, but love your lunch in particular. 
In a new study, researchers at the University of Exeter in the UK let seagulls choose between two different snacks. Snacks that had been touched by people for 20 seconds and snacks that hadn't been touched at all. And the seagulls couldn't get enough of that food we'd already expressed an interest in. The birds reportedly take human interest in food as a sign that that thing you're eating is probably better than that food tumbling around in the sand over there. Kind of like how we might not want to eat at that restaurant where you've never seen anyone sitting at the tables. Touché, seagulls. You're quite the food connoisseurs. But could you pick on someone else? And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.